Welcome to the Sober Gay Sunday podcast, a podcast about being gay and sober and not just on Sundays. In this podcast, we'll explore the ins and outs of being queer and sober in a world where drinking and using are woven into the fabric of our culture. This season, we'll be hearing the stories of addiction and recovery from sober gays from all over the world. Every story of recovery is unique in its own way, and every story deserves to be heard. So let's go. In this episode, we welcome Nick. Nick is a stylist living in Weymouth, Massachusetts, a society house member and a grateful person in recovery. Please welcome Nick. Welcome, Nick. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm so happy to have you. Um, We're going to get this interview rolling. Um, So why don't you just start off by telling us your name, your preferred pronouns, and a little bit about yourself. Um, Okay. So my name is Nick. Uh, He, him, his. Um, A little bit about myself. I am 25 and I'm living in uh, sober living right now. And I moved here from Nashville about two years ago, a year and a half ago. And I really, that's just like where my recovery kind of started. Um, And ever since that, I'm a hairstylist. Um, I work in Quincy. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of the outline. There we go. I love that. Did you, were you born and raised in Nashville? No, actually, I, so I was born in Romania. I was adopted. I grew up in Florida. And then from Florida, I, my parents divorced. So I went to go live with my dad. He got a job in Nashville and that's kind of where my adult life started. Oh, okay. Very cool. Very cool. I didn't realize you were mm-hmm. adopted. That's awesome. Um, yeah. All right. So what you're going to do is you're going to start us off from the very beginning with your first drinking or using experience, and then just mm-hmm. take us through all the way up until now. Mm, okay. Um, so my first using experience, I was in high school and all my friends had been smoking weed and drinking on the weekends. And I grew up really sheltered. Um, I wasn't allowed out. I wasn't allowed to kind of have a phone or like go sleep over friends' houses. So that was already kind of going on in my head. So school became my playground. Um, there was no time for class. There was no time for work. It was, it was really a social hour. And I did just that. Um, I remember I, this was freshman year of high school and somebody grabbed weed from their dad's house and brought it to school. And I stayed after cause I was doing drama rehearsal mm. and I remember smoking weed for the first time and it was just like this. I knew I couldn't handle it because I wasn't getting high like everybody else um, because I was out of my mind and it wasn't like (laughs) relaxing. It wasn't Mm -hmm. relaxing. It wasn't peaceful. I was like um, crazy. And, but I remember that feeling of wanting to do it again. Like the second Mm -hmm. that I did it, it was like once the next time and the plotting and the scheming and like the escapism was real. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was kind of, the first time and after that my parents kind of got catch of it and they transferred me to uh catholic school for my sophomore year and that was like a big leap and i started panicking and i was like well how do i cram like four years of high school into one semester or whatever it was because i found out kind of early in the year of my freshman year that i was 
going to go to Catholic school. And I thought the worst of it. I was like, what do you mean? They're not Mm -hmm. accepting. Like, uh, what's going to happen? So I started skipping class. I started um, going off campus. I would lie all the time. I would sneak out of my house. Um, Crazy thing. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's crazy. But um, (laughs) my parents just didn't understand like what, was happening because they never acted like this like I come from very um my dad's like Arabic and he's like very by the rules and like doesn't really mess with people and he's a people's people and my mom is a saint Mm -hmm. and she's you know never a fear of everybody fear of like raising her hand and saying the wrong answer Mm -hmm. and so we're just so different and I you know I'm just this rebellious loud gay thing (laughs) and they didn't know how to handle it and like I always felt super um misunderstood and like fighting with my identity for my parents because everybody else seemed to be okay with it but my parents were like your reputation your reputation that's kind of like where I started spiraling so Catholic school came I I don't even know these so these these friends believed in God and my mom was like oh my god go go hang out I was like, great, great. They just drink more, drink like crazy, like all this stuff. And I was like, great. So I have this free pass. I'm 15. And I got into like the hanging out culture. Like this is Florida. So like everybody like goes under a billboard to party or like does like little things. Like it's, it was super um, fun. And I stayed close with my drama theater kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like boys came in the picture. This downfall for everything and that's when (laughs) I started like I remember I skipped school and I went to go hang out at this guy's house and like the whole thing got out and I came back and I was at lunch and I just have like the um dean like come here like waving me over being like where were you and I was like instant I pulled a gay card I was like you don't know what it's like you don't know what it's like to be a gay kid in Catholic school. Like, you don't know what it's like to walk these halls and have everybody looking at you. Don't know where I was going with that. But <laughs> I got off on like, I don't know, like a, a disciplinary, like a light consequences. But my parents then were just like, it's mostly my mom. My dad kind of stays quiet. My my mom is the one that really vocalizes the fear and like, what are you doing? And like, you're going to get AIDS and like all this stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, mom, like stop. Mm-hmm. Um, my house was very, it was yelling all the time. My dad worked and my mom stayed at home. So mm-hmm. every time that I would come home, I never knew what version of my mom I was getting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of set me up for a lot of like performance. Like I was going to, work with what she was giving and mm-hmm. I would like pick fights so I could run out of the house that night or like and it just became this really like orchestrated mess yeah. um I liked school like don't get me wrong like but by the time sophomore year ended and then it was summer I I mean there's only so much yelling and like things you can handle before like it gets violent or like it gets like dark Mm-hmm. where I was like, I'm going to hurt this person. Like, I'm going to hurt my mom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, God. I need to, like, step back. And so they always threatened me. I had a neighbor right across the street that went to this, like, um, youth ranch or whatever in Montana. 
And like, they had always threatened me. They're like, we're going to send you there. And so finally one, one day I was like, send me, I don't care. Like I will yeah. send myself, print the paperwork, print to press. I'm <laughs> auditioning, mm-hmm. auditioning. Um, <laughs> so I went, this is the beginning of my junior year. I think it was two weeks into it where I was just like, I've had enough. Like I'm not going to school. I'm not doing this. Um, I just felt completely up against the wall and like there was no way out but like a violent streak Mm -hmm. so I was like well I don't want that um so I went and I decided to go to Montana for the whole well I mean this is kind of I didn't know at the time but I stayed eight months my whole junior year there and I was like with 11 other guys and they were all straight and like I learned how to like be a man quote unquote and and I remember getting there and they're like, hi, like I I shook hands with the director and he was like, I believe in corporal punishment. And I was like, me too. What the hell? Um, (laughs) God, wow. This is just, I just want to give you like a glimpse of like the innocence of me that Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was stepping into. And like these kids were not to say that I was less poorly behaved, but there was a big spectrum of like, I mean, they're, gangs like they're mm-hmm. crazy people right mm-hmm. and I was like I'm just gay like I'm just mm-hmm. gay. <laughs> so but I learned a lot I learned a lot about independence and like not um I don't know it was it was about fitting in but it was also about like who do you want to be like let's separate yourself from like Florida and your friends and like, like drag queens and things like that like who are you mm-hmm. like I know who you want to be like an, an identity piece and like what you want to like come out as but like who are you when nobody's like looking and like when you're just with like well you have to make it work mm-hmm. um so it was a lot I mean it, it was I wouldn't call it conversion therapy but they definitely at the end were like are you still gay um wow and yeah it was great we we only we didn't have our phones like we wrote letters on Sundays um that was the only time that I would really speak to my parents mm-hmm. um through like email I was homeschooled um it was a whole different world and but we all like understood that because we're coming from Georgia like Michigan like all these different places where Mm -hmm. we were just like this is not real life but like they're happy you know they're making us do that Mm -hmm. um I didn't find out I was going home until three hours before my parents just like showed up in Montana and they were like okay like you're coming home today and I was like oh my god this is amazing um I had just come off like a summer course, which is like their summer intensive where we live outside for two weeks and they like give us like our food for two weeks and we have to ration it. And I was like, this is, you just do, you know, you just become what needs to be done. I hated it. Um, I can imagine the whole thing, but like, there's no time for that. You like, you you just do it. Um, Mm. Anyways, I go home and I, I this is like, really something where I felt like, damn, I'm afraid to be myself now. Cause I remember coming home and like going through my closet and being like, this is gay, this is gay. I can't wear this. Um, I can't mm-hmm. do this going back to school. And I was just super clean cut. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like not fun. I was just like, yeah, I don't know. Um, behaved, well-behaved. Mm-hmm. Um, so senior year was kind of just like, I don't know. It, it is what it is. And then prom and I had wine. I had dessert wine for like, that was that, that first like 
itch again. And after that is when I went off the rails. Um, so I was, I graduated at 17, then I turned 18. Mm-hmm. Duh. Yeah, um, same. I was the same. Yeah, I graduated 17. <laughs> yes. I was like, ooh. Um, <laughs> love that. Love that. And then I went to college. I didn't find out I was going to college till two weeks after graduation because mm-hmm. I had a dual enrollment course in the drama class. And like the professor was like, well, you should come here. And I was like, great. Um, so my parents are really happy about that. This is when my world kind of opened up to like it's college atmosphere. Everybody's drinking, everybody's smoking weed, Coke mm-hmm. gets involved. Mm-hmm. I meet my first boyfriend. He's an addict. Um, and you know, it's it's grinder. So you move in with him in two weeks. <laughs> and I he I mean, okay, so I say I ran away from home, but like he lived across the lake from my my childhood home. Mm-hmm. Um so I moved in with him and that's kind of just when I was smoking weed every day. I was doing Coke. Um, I was drinking a lot and everything started to just like unravel. I dropped out of school. Um, I got in a domestic altercation mm-hmm. uh, for the first time. That's like when I always felt like love was like Bonnie and Clyde, like love was going to, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be like something that you have to like show up for that person when they resist. And like, that's just not, I'm living the toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that now, but at the time it's, it's your everything. Yeah. And plus I'm growing up with my mom. So he wasn't much more different, you mm-hmm. know, super abusive, super yelly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I did, I fell in love with the idea of like fixing him and like, yeah. Understanding he was like that with everybody else, but like not me because like mm-hmm. I'll sit and I'll pull it out of him and I'll, and I'll do that. And that's kind of where the neglect of myself came into play to save somebody else. Cause if I, if I see something like one of my character defects in somebody else, I'm like, Oh my God, great. I can give you advice on that. Like, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I don't have to do it. So I'm just kind of like giving what I need to somebody else to hear it for myself. It's this, backwards boomerang of a selfish thing Mm -hmm. um whatever that went on for like two years my parents divorced inside of that and that was the first like reality check that really bothered me um it it was it was a clean divorce like on paper but my dad definitely like moved to Boynton and then I moved with him and there was like it wasn't a custody battle because my mom washed her hands of me Mm -hmm. um she was like, you take him. Yeah. So I felt like this like thing that needed to be taken care of, but like was, was an adult. And like, there was, it just, it was a mess. So I moved to Boynton with my dad and, you know, I get my first car and I'm going out and then the club scene kind of starts up. I have all these like fabulous friends and I just wanted to be a club kid. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like I, I wanted to be there every Friday dancing, drinking, doing coke in the bathroom. Like I wanted that life because it, you know, it was appealing and it felt glamorous. Um, And I was young and I was hot and I could do it. Mm -hmm. And nobody cared. Um, I never noticed like I did it more than people or like the way that I was using was like addictive or anything. There was none of that because I feel like we were were all addicts. Mm -hmm. Um, So it wasn't, I don't know. 
very narrow space for mental health. It was like just party. Yeah. Um I um what happened after that? Like I just I got into a lot of car accidents. That's kind of where I totaled like four cars in one year. Mm-hmm. And nothing ever happened. Like there was the thing with me is like there was never any consequences. So it was more like my dad being like, I'm disappointed in you. And I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> you know, okay, me too. Me too. Can I have another yeah. car? Yeah. Like, and it I milked the divorce. I like manipulated everything. I was like, I've been told to come home on time for like all my life. Like, you're not gonna do that now. And my dad, of course, he's going through a lot of things himself. Like he just like do whatever you want. Um, so at this time, I want to, I want to bring it back just a second. Like when I was in college, I was introduced to crystal meth and that Mm -hmm. was the first time where I thought it was Coke and like, I go over to this beautiful house and this couple and and whatever. And I, yes, I love the drug, but I also love their dynamic. Like they like stood, I don't know, they stood by each other. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that. Like, that's all I wanted was somebody to be like, there could be anybody else in the room, but like, that's my partner. And like, mm-hmm. I don't really care. Um, Cause all my tricks and like things wouldn't work. So mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> I like that. Um, no home wrecking in that house. Um, mm-hmm. I was just the one being wrecked. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, oh my God, I can't. Um, I didn't even mean it like that. But <laughs> I digress. (laughs) No, but yes. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I was introduced to that, I I remember specifically being like, okay, we'll do this a month. Like, and then I would go see them again. And now I'm in, in Boynton beach and my dad is the condo and he's working all the time. So I'm um, actually, I'm in school. I did cosmetology school and Mm -hmm. like, that was easy. That was like a nine to three. And then I had the whole rest of the day to be an idiot. Um, I, crystal meth allowed me like a noise blocker. Like it, it didn't, it didn't get me like out of my mind high. It just was like, here's a pause on life. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about a thing. No one's going to follow you here. Like no one's going to expect anything from you. Um, and just sing. It was weird. Um, interesting. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. Like I, and I remember meeting people and they're like, Oh my God, do you want to? And I'm like, no, I mean, sure. But no, my brain didn't go there. Um, I just Mm -hmm. didn't. And I don't know. And then you just, there's nothing wrong. So keep going, you know, nothing was happening. Like I was like, whatever. I stopped kind of driving around. Um, and that was it. I mean, I had friends that did it down the street. So we'd hang out together. And then I just remember feeling all of a sudden like self-conscious. And then I'm worried about like what other people would think about it. And then I'm mm-hmm. worried about being in public high. Mm-hmm. Never really cared about that. So all this kind of anxiety started building. Um, and then I found out I was moving to Nashville and I was like, oh, my God. Here's another move. I'm not good yeah. with change. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not, this is my home. This is my friends. This is now my addiction that I'm protecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to move. So whatever. I end up driving. Like, my dad went up to go, like, figure out job stuff. And then I closed the apartment, the condo in Boynton Beach. 
he came back, we drove up 12 hours to Nashville and, and that was it. And, and that, that was it. Right. So I'm in the city, I'm in Germantown and I go out the first night and like, that was kind of like a telltale. I was like, Jesus, you just got to a new place. And the first thing you want to do is go get high. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you have to remember like my Florida experiences weren't, weren't bad because these people weren't, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, it wasn't what I'll get into. So the, my, the dynamic in, in Nashville was like, this is people's livelihood. Like this is people's life. This is their currency. This is like very serious to them. Um, it's not a party. It's like, I'm going to use you. And like, do you have a problem with that? And if you steal from me, I'm going to kill you. And I'm also going to give you a fake name. And like, I'm also like, don't really care. And I'm going to pretend I'm listening, but I'm not. And I'm going to lie to you because mm-hmm. you want to do the small talk thing. I'll give you whatever you want to hear. Um, Interesting. It was so transactional and it was scary. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it just was. And when I get scared, I get talkative. Um, and, I, you know, I, I'm not like, oh, I'm like, oh, my God. Well, tell me about your mom. Like, um, <laughs> right. like, it's sick. I don't know. My my. <laughs> nerves get the best of me but then I'm theatrical so I'm like okay let's just play this out and I hear myself but I'm like standing in the corner yeah um so back to back to back to back Nashville just was like a lot of experiences where you you left feeling unsettled like it's like did somebody what did he mean by that and people started planning things in my head like I don't know why we're talking about like horror story things like crime and rape and like jail and I'm like this is really not the context that I want um but that's all anybody talked about and I was like Jesus Christ so I gotta get with it um I'll Mm -hmm. adapt Mm -hmm. sure um um so then the pandemic hit and that was wild um that was like my first panic attack I was like what's happening um I don't Mm -hmm. know what to do like I mean work and and I also enrolled in cosmetology school there because I had to do like more hours I that stopped everything stopped Mm -hmm. um and I was I was left with nothing to do but like smoke a damn pipe every day thank you for tuning into the sober gay sunday podcast please feel free to like subscribe share and comment be sure to follow us on instagram at sober gay sunday you can also email me directly at SoberGaySunday at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, stay sober, guys. I'm so sick of small talk, and tell me something jar-topping in me on my head with your biggest mistakes. I don't want your daily drama, fill me in on family traumas, tell me all the medication that you take. Cause life's so short, it blinks so fast.